Hello. Welcome to Lights Carry Action. I'm Karen Morrison and today I'm feeling a little bit spooky. As you all know, it is Halloween on Saturday, so I thought I would whip up some reviews of some spooky films. I hope that is all right with you. I have some very exciting announcements at the end of this episode, so please have a listen if you have the time. But if not, I'll get to it. Let's get on to the first film of the week. My story begins when I was a young boy. You'll be comfy here. Your mama's all wrong. I'd do anything for her to be here right now. Grandma was a tough lady with a big heart. And little by little, she brought me out of my sadness. Now, if you feel that you can't go on, darling, I didn't know it. But there was a dark shadow looming nearby. Witches. They're real. And they hate children. Yes, the new Witches adaptation, which was originally based on a book by Roald Dahl. This adaptation is directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Robert Zemeckis, Guillermo del Toro and Kenya Barris. And it stars a little orphan boy staying with his grandma and attempting to flee from a superstitious incident in his hometown, finds himself at a conference of witches. I feared this was happening. Then here, that means a test is coming. Ladies, I have a plan. Andro, to transform a child into a mouse. Honestly, folks, I had a really fun time watching this. As someone who didn't grow up on Roald Dahl films, I cannot comment at all whether this is a good adaptation. So the only experience of Roald Dahl I have is through adaptations of his work. So like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and James and the Giant Peach. And the way I would describe it is like a macabre sense of humour, but for children. And I definitely think this is a great film to watch for a family evening's entertainment. The visual effects are really nice for what it is. I especially liked the look of the cat Hades. I thought he was great. And I think this was just the project where Anne Hathaway just went all out, full on, grotesque and extravagant camp performance. And it's just brilliant. I really loved Octavia Spencer's performance as the grandma. I thought she was so sweet and brought such heart to the film and especially the grandma's relationship to the hero of the story who is played by Jazir Bruno. I thought their relationship, especially in the first third of the film, is just so... You really feel very attached to them. You feel so charmed by them and you really do root for them throughout the rest of the film. And for a film like this who really just wants to see a battle against the Grand High Witch for a family film, it is brilliant for what it is. And I'm seeing a lot of people kind of berating it, and I don't know whether it's because it doesn't quote-unquote match up to the 90s version. Again, I can't comment as I haven't seen it. But I had a really fun time watching it, and I thought Robert Zemeckis did a brilliant job on this film. And I don't know why people are berating it so much, especially like looking at my letterbox and seeing people leave such negative reviews. Because honestly, with no expectations from me, 
sort of a, a, a throwback to what I said last week about going in with no expectations, I didn't know anything about this film. And I am really glad I did because it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. I thought the costumes and the set design were really brilliant. I thought its script was quite good. I think there were some things I felt could have been embellished a little bit more. It felt like in the last maybe third, it just seemed like in this film, it kind of glazed over the stakes a little bit. But I don't know, maybe that's just me. And also having Kristen Chenoweth as Mary the Mouse. I Oh God, I loved it. She was so cute. But a very aggressive Texan mouse. So yes, if you're unsure about whether to watch this with your child or you know someone that isn't sure about this film, I would personally recommend it. But I, I might think if I watched it at the age I think it's meant to be geared for, I probably would have nightmares about it. Now we're moving on to our next film of the week, which I feel is a little hidden gem amongst other bewitching protagonists. The Owen sisters are two beautiful witches. Hang on to your husbands, girls. With one wicked problem. She has the worst taste in men. Any man they fall for falls victim to a deadly curse. Any man who wins the heart of an Owens woman is bound to end up six feet under. And as hard as they try, oh my God! They can't keep their loves. They're like I'm never gonna see you again. So I'm going to be looking at 1998's Practical Magic, which is based on the book by Alice Hoffman, and it was directed by Griffin Dunn and also written by Adam Brooks, Akiva Goldsman and Robin Swacord. And it's about Sally and Gillian Owens, played by Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman, respectively, who are daughters of witches. And when Gillian's boyfriend dies... Not a spoiler, they give themselves a crash course in dark magic with very disastrous consequences. Who discover the power? What I'm saying is, of true love. When watching this film, you can definitely tell it's based on a book because there are loads of threads and characters that feel very in depth, but yet the film doesn't explore much into that character. So, for example, with the policeman Gary Hallett, who is played by Aidan Quinn, it felt like he was meant to be a big staple in the film, but yet I didn't really care for him. I didn't care about Sally and Gary's relationship because there were so many other important threads going on within the film, embellishing this romantic relationship of, like, fate and magic brought them together. I'm like... Mate, I don't care, because really, the problem with this film is, is that it was trapped in a sense it was made in the 90s. I think if it was made today, it would have made us so much more gritty. A look into Gillian's trauma as she was in an abusive relationship, and the way they deal with uh, the boyfriend's death and how it pans out, I definitely think it can be an allegory for abusive relationships and that trauma, uh, even after the relationship is finished. It felt a shame to me that it just seemed all the events of the film, especially in, in that really dark topic they cover in this film, just felt almost glazed over. And I think that's because it was based on a film and they wanted to put everything in. And I don't know whether that's also because I felt the score was lovely at points, but also felt it didn't match with the situation the scene was depicting. And the music was made by Alan Silvestri, who 
is very clearly very good at giving very good hooks because he's the guy that did the Avengers theme song. And in terms of the soundtrack using Faith Hill tracks and everything, I definitely think it has a very nice autumnal aesthetic. There's a joke about it going online about how um, the aunts, played by Stockard Channing and Diane Weist, of how it's just... <laughs> One of my favourite things is pointing out hidden gay couples. Like, you know the two aunts are just a lesbian couple, but they're like, they're just friends. And I'm like, great. Wonderful. I love me some hidden representation. Oh, well. So I think, in general, in order to make the film better, have a more flowing script, they either needed an additional 20 minutes to look into... Gillian, Nicole Kidman's character, or just drop the romantic subplot altogether because of the 90s and forced relationships. It's just a heartache, isn't it? Now we're going on to our last film of the week. And yes, I'm aware this is the second week I'm doing a Studio Ghibli film, but I can't help the fact this one has a witch in it. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. film we're going to be looking at this week is Kiki's Delivery Service, released in 1989, directed by Hayao Miyazaki, who also wrote and directed Princess Mononoke from last week. And he also wrote Kiki's Delivery Service as well as Aiko Kadono. So it's about Kiki, who's turned 13, and she's taking on her mandatory year of training as a witch, and she starts up her own delivery service. <laughs> This film is a really sweet coming-of-age film. I definitely would have needed it a few years ago. I think if I had watched Kiki's Delivery Service, if I grew up watching Kiki's Delivery Service, oh man, I would have been so less stressed during university. Because the whole point of it is that sometimes you feel low and sometimes you do feel depressed. And the important thing is just you take your time. You don't force your creativity out because you won't be proud of it. It won't be your best work. And you just need to take that time to sit, relax, take a breath and connect with people who care about you. And I think that's such a really lovely message to give for a film that's geared towards children I found Kiki's character so charming, who's played by Minami Takayama. I also loved Kiko Toda's performance as Osono, who is kind of the maternal figure for Kiki as Osono runs a bakery that Kiki is staying in while she's carrying out her delivery service. And this world that Miyazaki created is just filled with people who 
love Kiki and want to take care of her and want to reward her for all the good work she's done. And yet Kiki puts so much pressure on herself to be good, to be all these things, when actually all she needs is to be herself. And I think that's a really beautiful message to give. It's a very lovely watch to watch on a maybe Sunday afternoon or if you want a nice comfort watch with the family and it's like a nice little blanket on a, on an autumnal evening you just have a cup of tea or a hot chocolate and you can watch Kiki's delivery service and it's just lovely that's all I can really say about this is that it is lovely now that's all the time I have for this week if I'm going to pick a film I think it's a toss-up between The Witches and Kiki's Delivery Service, and I think it depends on what mood you want. In general, I think I'm going to go with The Witches. That is what I'm going to go for this week. But that's it for today, and in terms of my exciting announcement, I have launched a Patreon. Yes, as every creator does. I wanted to launch it because I wanted a wider access to films for me to cover. So like a few weeks ago, I really wanted to cover Antebellum, but it was £20 to watch and I couldn't afford that. And it was a massive shame because I was really excited for it. And if you are not able to support the show, that is absolutely fine. You're not going to miss out on any extra content. The only thing that I'll be posting on the Patreon are polls as to which films people would like me to cover, if I want to take any recommendations. And also I might post my initial thoughts on a film in a very succinct sentence as a kind of preview for the next episode. I'll post that on Patreon. But in terms of any exclusive episodes, like that's not the plan for the time being. If there, if there is enough, enough patrons on it, um, I might do spoiler-filled chats so that, you know, if people are interested, you can hear my thoughts on specific plot points that I'd rather not spoil in the main episodes. But I will be linking my Patreon in the show notes um, from now on. So if you fancy supporting the show, it's only £1 a month. Feel free to go for it. But also, I completely understand if you're not able to. You will not be missing anything. Apart from that, you can follow my Twitter and Instagram at carrymo 97 And you can also follow the podcast Instagram at carrymo Media. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Take care. Stay spooky. So this is about a young witch. Oh, what is her name again? Oh, Kiki, you moron. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you forgot the name of the Fikote, you moron. <laughs> oh god, that's going in a blue person. <laughs> okay, breathe it out. <laughs> breathe it out. Okay. <laughs>